singer of the Seattle band King Youngblood, previously known as Gypsy Temple. Over the past few months, he's been holding protests, especially during times of Chaz and Chop, recently started a podcast, and has been releasing new music, the latest single being called Yakubian Antics. It's my pleasure to introduce Cameron Lavi-Jones. <laughs> Guest, the one and only Cameron Lavi Jones from the Seattle band King Youngblood. What's up, y'all? What's going on? Thanks for having me, Blake. Yes, of course. So we just have to get this part out of the way. How long have you been growing your hair out? Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. The last time okay, the last time I had a haircut or my hair was like short, I was eight and I'm twenty one now. No way. Yeah. So it is is been a minute. Wow. But um the last time I had a trim I, uh, I've never really gotten a haircut before, right? So I went to, um, I don't want to out like whatever the barbershop was or anything like that, but it was, it was not some brown folks and I should have thought that through. Uh, but I'd never gotten my haircut, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I went in there to get a haircut and they were like, do you want to cut it wet or dry? And I was like, well, it probably makes more sense to like wash my hair before I cut it. Right. You know, that made sense logically to me. And then I just came out looking like a pom pom. I was fucking fuming. Oh my! Gosh. I was ooh. But uh, but yeah. Since then, I haven't. I haven't even. I haven't even thought about it. So yeah, that's probably one of the main reasons I stopped cutting my hair. Actually. Like, oh yeah. It was not even just like great clips, but actual barber shops have no idea how to cut my hair. Yeah, I mean, it, like honestly, it's like if 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 I do do it again, hopefully COVID ends by the time that this happens. Uh, but knowing my track record, it'll probably be another fucking ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, uh, you know, I'd I'd be looking around the CD before I go anywhere else. Or you like, gotta gotta, or you gotta find a friend, family member, yeah, partner, anyone that knows how to cut hair. Like the like the real thing about it is it's like find a brown person that knows how to cut brown people's hair. Yeah, because they'll they'll know what they're doing more than letting you do like you know like. Whatever great clips finna do, like oh, I'm sure they do a good job for some folks. For white people or Asian people, because they have the same hair texture. Basically. Yeah, it's like I, I, it's just like if you, if you, if you're black, like you gotta get your hair cut by somebody that at least is 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 not intentionally fucking you up. <laughs> I feel like that's a bare minimum. Yes, I have two stories. First, yes. one time I was. My hair was not as long as this is. Like this is the longest my hair has ever been. Well, but, you got tied to curls too. Yeah, and um, it was pretty long at this time. It was probably like middle school, mm-hmm. and I was like, I think it's time to get it shaped up. And this lady had no idea what she was doing. She was like, Oh, I messed up here. Oh, I messed up here. And next thing I know, I was back to like a buzz cut, <laughs> and I had a full on afro. And hi, I was like, Hi, oh my. <laughs> hi. So, uh, you wanted a fade, right? <laughs> You wanted a fade? Because yeah. I know how to do fades. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted a fade, I can get you a f- I don't know whatever the fuck else you were talking about, but I'm going to get you a fade, yes. young blood. That's hilarious. And then the second time, this was at Great Clips, and then the second time was at a Hair Masters, which is basically a Great Clips also. <laughs> and I went through this phase for some reason. I, I liked stripes in the side of my head okay i just thought it was the coolest thing ever listen man <laughs> if, if it made you feel like you went faster put the flames on the side yes. of your car man don't let nobody tell you what to do and this lady like the thickness of an actual ruler she made that on the side of my head on accident wow. i just had a huge just bar of hair missing and then like <laughs> tiny stripes on the other side i was so sad i like I, I cried 
Oh, dude. Did you cry in there or did you cry like after you got out? After I got out. Okay. I was like, I was like, oh, this is a this is a great haircut. This is totally <laughs> oh, man. Wow, man. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh for me, like uh my uh my dad my my sorry, my grandfather uh used to own a barbershop. My dad used to work in there. Mm. Um but you know, like I trust him for like braiding and things like that, you know, when I need to do like a deep condition or something like that with my hair. But it's like, I don't know, man. I just been so scarred by like niggas with scissors. Yes. Close to the ends. Yes. To the point where I'm just like, I'll just it's cool. I'll just I'll just let it rock and you know, if yeah. it gets out of out of hand, out of hand. I mean, it hasn't for over ten years now, so I, I think I got it handled. Does it like it continues to grow, right? Yeah. Well, I I think what it is is it's like the split ends. Just <laughs> I, I don't know. I remember seeing some fucking like uh, some video at like two a.m. on Facebook about it, uh, where it's like once it gets to a certain point, like it stops growing and the sp- split ends just keep splitting. Yeah. So it never like goes anywhere. Yeah. Um, which is I, I mean I'm probably gonna have to end up like bracing myself for the emotional impact of getting my split ends cut. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'll, f- I'll figure it out. Yeah, it's been like three years for me now, and um, I finally got my split ends cut after the three years, and mm-hmm. they only cut off, like, uh, is this an inch? Yeah, but did they do it wet or dry? Oh, wow, I don't even remember. See? Because mm-hmm. you weren't scarred that like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was good, though. It was you just lived, like, brother. You lived to tell the tale. Be proud of yourself. Yes, and I, I spent a lot of money on hair products, I'll tell you that, too. Mm-hmm. But, um it's worth it. Oh, of course, man. That's 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 part of your melanin, baby. You got to support that. Hell yeah. So let's talk about your new podcast. I know you released you recorded it like back in July, but you just released it recently. Yeah. Um it's uh it's called The Revolution Will Be Harmonized. You can find it um on Spotify, anywhere you really listen to podcasts. Um but it's uh I have two other co-hosts along with myself. Uh it's uh Stay Safe Knox, Jaden Grayson and uh myself and the uh, podcast is really us having a dialogue about the black experience in Seattle, the black experience in America, and especially since the three of us are artists and activists as well, is identifying, you know, kind of the, 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 the challenges that we face as artists, as black folks fighting for our liberation, and identifying all the different complicated components that are being introduced to us constantly uh, in that effort to get us where we need to go and, and help support our people. You know, it's a, it's in a lot of ways a very educational show. Um, and uh, it's it's something that the three of us, um, you know, find really important. We filmed the first, or film, well, yeah, filmed. I guess I could say that. That's mm-hmm. not a spoiler. Uh, but we, we filmed and uh, recorded the first three episodes back in July, um, you know, when things were still really heated up around CHOP and everything going on in that realm. I could um, sense it when I was listening to it. Was, yeah, exactly. You know, it had had a <laughs> lot of urgency. Um, and those reflections are still really important today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we actually filmed uh, and, and taped the last uh, episode. I think it's either episode four or five um, uh, a couple of days ago. So we're, we're, we're getting back caught up. And uh, um, the most recent one is uh, talking about the election and, mm-hmm. you know, the complicated things around how uh frustrating it is that we have the lesser of two evils and neither of them are going to do what it takes to support the black and brown existence the way it should be supported in America um uh but also recognizing that you know morale is important and if you've taken a deep breath you know you're allowed to do that but that still has to translate into action because the work isn't done mm-hmm. um but you know the the show is really uh based around trying to activate people you know letting people into our lives and the way that we think and the way that we've been experiencing this existence here in this country, uh, one that is founded in white supremacy. Um, education acts to, one, enlighten, but two, to get you to stop just looking at your phone or, or listening and, and, and do something, whether mm-hmm. that's paying reparations, whether that's donating to bail funds, whether that's being on the ground and protesting, whether that's having the, that difficult conversation with um, you know, your your friends or family members that are displaying anti-black or anti-brown behavior um, or anti-LGBTQIA behavior, whatever it is, it's translating people. Wait, what's the YA part now? IA. 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 Um, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, sorry if I misheard. No worries. 
It's been a day. Um, but it's 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 about translating people from just listening and realizing how in proximity they are to these issues that they might not have thought they were in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the closer that you realize you are to an issue, the more likely you are to do something about it. And right. that's what the revolution is harmonized is centered around. So you're first a musician. What made you start this podcast? Because I've been seeing a lot of people starting podcasts lately. Well, one, uh, I, I think it's no surprise to say, you know, like COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for artists everywhere right now, it's we've had to be very uh, malleable in how we figure out how to relay our voice and how we um, express ourselves and our experiences. Uh, for me, uh, personally, and for, I, I think I can speak for King Youngblood on behalf of this too, um, you know, social justice and, and, and speaking up has always been a part of what we do. Um, so much of our music is, is centered around documenting those experiences and highlighting them uh, in ways where there might be negative experiences or memories or emotions that we don't fully understand, but a lot of them are centered around the fact that we, uh, at least three of us, Hamoon, Corey, and I, uh, my my three main band members and the other front men, um, we're all from marginalized communities. We're all black and brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, our music has always been in some way centered around, you know, the struggle of what that is to live in a country that doesn't prioritize your life like that. It's always been something in our music and it's always been something that we really care about in using our platform for. So the activism side of it really was always there. It was just, you know, having different mediums and different different vehicles to express the urgency of the issues that we've always been talking about Um you know, as formulated and, and making sure we're being very smart and very safe, uh, but 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 acknowledging simultaneously the urgency of doing something right now rather than later. Um, you know, so so for us, it's it's always been in there. It's always been something that we do. And uh, you know, this summer I think was just it wasn't a turning point because this fight has been constantly ongoing. But it was a moment where we really recognized that we have to say something um, and we have to do it with our community. And that's why we uh, staged our protests, the St. A Picnic, over in CHOP when everything was happening. For sure. You know, it was a refocusing event, not a show, not a performance. It was an educational sit-in. That's why we reached out to, you know, a bunch of different black and brown um, artists and speakers and educators and performers and it wasn't about us. It was mm-hmm. about our community and reminding people that the work isn't done. You know, we had people on the on the same spectrum of like Fox News fucking up the narrative uh, and the national news media formats fucking up the narrative because they didn't have their, their feet on the ground. You know, it was all very reactionary. There was no talking to the community or anything like that. And this is about Chaz and Chavez. People yeah. are not following. Thank you so much for, for, for clarifying. Um, but then on the other side of the spectrum, you had a lot of you had a lot of people, especially white folks in Cal Anderson when CHOP was going on, playing soccer, drinking White Claws, fucking raving when it got dark, and being a black person that was there on the front lines, being a, being a black person there when everything was going on, and, and seeing everybody being shot with rubber bullets, tear gassed, all these people putting their lives on the line for what they believe in, and to see folks treating this Either as if it is some huge, massive, like, like chaotic event, and solely based around chaos, not not having a purpose or anything like that, not recognizing the function of disruption in that fashion, and at the same rate treating it like it was fucking Coachella, <laughs> it was it was infuriating. Yeah. And for us, it was it was it was something that definitely sparked like we have to say something, and we have to say it right now. Um, and so I, I was very grateful to have the opportunity to reach out to my community and everything like that and, and, and spearhead it. Um, uh, oh, and I, I should also mention, you know, that's also how I really met uh, Jay, my other co-host on The Revolution Will Be Harmonized. Um, you know, that was the first time that we had really met. And, uh, you know, she spoke and educated at the event. And since then, we've been really, really good friends doing different things on the activism side as well as the artist side. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, it's been such a complicated thing in Seattle for, for a long time. And, you know, I think this summer 
if there's anything that this virus has done, sorry, I'm kind of rambling. No, a no bit. worries. We got but time. if there's anything that this virus has, has really done, it's required people to sit down and look at themselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for that first lockdown, especially, there weren't the distractions of going to work. There weren't the distractions of going and hanging out with your friends. You were forced to sit there and look at yourself in the mirror and recognize what is going on around you and what has always been going on around you. And thankfully for a lot of people, having that realization activated them to going into the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if, if we continue this kind of thought process of pacification and ignoring the issues, um, you know, we're just going to keep doing more of the same. And unfortunately, more of the same just makes for more and more polarized, um, not even conversations, just more polarized interactions. Uh, and that's not going to get us to where we need to go because the work still has to be done. For sure. But, um, yeah. So with your podcast, the mm-hmm. first episode, is that the only episode you put out? Because I listened to the first episode. No, we have two out right now. I think okay. the next one comes out later this week, either Friday or Saturday, I think. I need to double check. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we've got five in the can right now. Two are out so far, and uh, we're going to be releasing them weekly, weekly going forward. Okay. So with the first episode, I haven't listened to the second episode. I didn't know it was out yet. No but, worries. But the first episode, what I got, the takeaway was kind of, you guys were introducing yourselves. Yep. And you were also focusing on what happened in Chaz and Chop, which mm-hmm. is that um, thing that happened in, in, when was it? That was like, jeez. Sometime in the summer, early summer, throughout like, the whole summer. It was like uh, like uh, middle June to July, mm-hmm. even all the way through to August. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's still, there's still so much tension over there. Yeah. Have you seen Cal Anderson? It, it all took place on around Capitol Hill. Yeah. Did you see, have you seen Cal Anderson Park lately? Mm. Completely covered in homeless people. It's insane. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, the houseless community has been, you know, impacted so much by everything that's going on here because at the same rate where Seattle Police Department has been, you know, targeting and, and retroactively arresting protesters, they're still abusing the houseless community. They're still perpetuating this kind of this kind of thing that has always been such a big problem in the city, which is gentrification, not just of moving black and brown folks out of the areas that they've already been in, but not giving the houseless community the resources they need to be able to function. Uh, and then just simply doing sweeps or, or, or pressuring them into even worse conditions than they already have right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's infuriating to know that we have put so much money into this budget to tear gas people, but a houseless community can't get the resources they need and instead are met with force. It's, 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 it's a sham. So is homeless not the word people use now? I, you know, I've heard houseless twice. You and Maso Yamamata, who's part of Ground Zero. Yeah, I, th- I think um, uh, educational moment. Great question. <laughs> so for 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 me and my experience uh, in talking with a, a lot of people from that community, um, homeless is a very othering term. Like when you think of homeless people, um, that 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 concept of like it's something that you should ignore becomes inherent into it. Um, talking about people as like they are defined by whether or not they have a house or a home um, that's an actual like structure is like an identity of, of something that is rooted in whether or not you have value as a person and recognizing that like for people, a part of the houses community, we can't define what their house is just because they might not have like an actual fucking like wooden building or something like that. For a lot of these people, it's been, Something as the result of lack of resources from from people in power that should be supporting them. It's been a result of uh, mental health services refusal. It's been the product of of somebody in a larger place with more power failing a group of people. And that's not something that's their fault. And at the same rate, these folks have had to take whatever they have of their livelihood uh, along with them in this lifestyle that is, you know, not something that they're trying to do it's not something intentional mm-hmm. um and for a lot of these people holding on to their livelihoods you know in that tent or wherever they are you know that's their ho- that's their home it's yeah. it's it might not be a structural house but um the function of saying houseless community rather than a homeless person is to target that ideology that automatically others a group of people it's to it's to focus on the fact that like hey like this is a sp- the same way we talk about like 
the black community or you know the queer community or something like that it's identifying that these are group of these are a group of people not a group of 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 something to be othered or or something defined by whatever has happened to them in the past it's something uh to talk through to acknowledge that this is the state of a group of people that have been marginalized but at the core of it they're still people mm-hmm. it's it's removing whatever of that kind of elitist mindset that has been uh, so key in, in gentrifying and removing uh, any resources for that community in the first place. And, you know, since words have so much power, it's been something definitely to to, to consider about how you uh, speak about folks. Because even in the fact that I said houseless community, um, just then in response to when you were talking about homeless people, it triggered you thinking about like, oh, why is he saying that? Mm-hmm. And it starts conversations like this where you can start to identify why, but... Two, at the core of it, the important bit is you identify like what are the needs of this community and and what are the 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 obstacles that they're facing in getting their needs met. There's definitely tons of stereotypes when it comes to houseless or homeless people. Yeah. Like, um, COVID has definitely you can't really use those stereotypes, especially during COVID times, mm-hmm. because unemployment has skyrocketed, losing your homes or houses have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. So there are normal people just like me or you who definitely have lost their houses. And of course, there are people who are drug addicts that are on the streets, but I don't think even then you should just throw them away or say they're not people. I mean, at at the core of it, you have to acknowledge that when you think about your community, you can't be sectioning off just the people that are well off. You mm-hmm. can't just be sectioning off the, the people that have power or the people that have consistently benefited from whatever the status quo is. Your community, and when you say you're part of a community, it means you're helping everybody a part of it. And that includes the houseless community as well, especially if you live in Seattle. Because uh, unfortunately, the way that we're prioritizing our budgets and, and the way that the city is functioning is is not one that is acknowledging, let alone prioritizing people that need help. And that's across the board. For for me, uh, especially being you know black and Jewish, I'm mixed. Uh, intersectionality is has always been something that's been very core to who I am. And uh, sorry, I'm I'm doing that thing. I'm gonna go ahead and do it before you do. Uh, <laughs> intersectionality is the concept that when there are two different marginalized groups, it's likely that the same kind of function or oppressive group that is marginalizing them is also linked in the same way. So it makes more sense for that marginalized those two marginalized groups to work together rather than trying to side with whatever oppressor for one group versus another one. So a great example is like black and indigenous solidarity, where it's two different groups that have been the first to be impacted by white supremacy in America. Uh, Those two groups working together attacking white supremacy is something that uh, provides a lot more resources for both sides rather than trying to target it uh, individually. But does minorities always bring... Being a minority, does, does that always mean, bring people together, though? Because I feel like that could also tear people apart. Sure. Saying, like, I might be a minority, but at least I have these rights compared to you. Sure, I get it. I think the acknowledgement in intersectionality is that it's not about identifying who has what and who doesn't have what. It's identifying that people's needs aren't met. Mm-hmm. It's identifying that one group of people is being a pre- Like, okay, a perfect example is um, I have a homie who is... Uh, Previously houseless, black, uh, trans, and non-binary. Those are four different identities that are coming from all different kind of sections. You know, the, like some of them are interrelated, but a lot of them aren't. Um, but those four identities are intertwined in this one person, meaning that whatever oppressions come from each of those own four identities individually, they are going to experience that from all these four different places, even though they're really coming from the same place of like power, you know, the same place white supremacy came from. It's like powerful, straight, white, cis men. Mm. Understanding that like all those different oppressive groups are really coming from like one section means that all those different groups and everybody that might share that identity, regardless if it's uh, me who's a cis but a black man also, I can link up with them on that aspect and recognize that regardless of what their identity is, the fact that we're both black or the fact that, you know, we're both from kind of a lower class kind of situation, we can recognize, oh, we're kind of both going through it. We should probably work together on this 
So it's right. also the mindset of wanting to make a change. Yeah, that and like not being divided and conquered. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 been such a tool of white supremacy in the first place of like, you know, making groups that they are oppressing face each other before facing the thing that is threatening them from the get-go. You know, it's it's why there's been so many different divides in communities that really should be working together is because it's been this indoctrination of of looking at who has what and and who doesn't have what and not who needs what and how do we help them get what they need. Because when one person eats, it usually means that a lot of other people can eat too. Mm-hmm. So with your podcast, with you guys giving each other a voice outside of music, mm-hmm. with the first episode breaking down Chaz and Chop, yeah. you also, I forget their names, but there was like two people that you guys were mentioning that were kind of having a negative impact. on. Oh yeah, Boots, that was Boots and, uh, and David Lewis. So I didn't see... With that episode, though, I didn't see any epi- like upside of what you guys can do to change this. Like, with continuing continuing your podcast, are you guys gonna start bringing up ideas of how to change things versus just energizing people to be upset? Because I feel like there's a difference between a- make energizing people to be upset sure. and giving them an outlet to actually improve what's going on. Yeah, you know, it's 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 always steps to a goal. Um, you have to enlighten people that there is a problem before they're able to identify and start solving the problem. Um, so for us, it's, 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 it's been a lot of recognizing that there are a lot of different people that have a lot of different roles and not everybody can do the same role. Um, in every episode, we've always talked about what actions to take and what actions there are that you can take, whether that's uh, donating um, having those different conversations, uh, being on the ground, like I mentioned before, um, you know, signing petitions, all of these different things, there's a multitude of different things that you should be doing. Um, and because, you know, of, of who we are and, and who we're talking to, um, all of those different jobs are very important in the fight for the liberation of black and brown people. Um, and we can't identify what people should be doing, what roles, but we can enlighten them to the fact that there is a problem and what roles are available that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, also comes with timing. I feel like for the first year, I started my podcast when I was 18. Yeah. I'm 20 now, so that's almost like a year and a half. Cool. And um, when I first started my podcast, what I noticed was I focused on everything that everyone was doing positively mm. versus breaking down maybe things they need to work on or anything like that. Sure. So I feel like with time, you guys will also be able to come up with new ideas and clearer goals even that if you're not even a black person and you're a white person, you want to make a difference. Like, of course, signing petitions an easy thing, but I just feel like labeling everything as white supremacy can be a slippery slope as well. Like I'm mixed, you're mixed. So it's not like we're saying, Oh, we hate our white family members or whatever. Um, I don't think, I don't think identifying things as white supremacy though is hating white people. I think it's hating a system that is designed to oppress black and brown people and white people that are uh, complacent in that system are people that are allowing it to continue forward. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is doing that because not even all white people are, are aware that they are benefiting from that system. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, is that when you are educated, when you have been let into the experiences, the traumas that our people have experienced, um, if you're still choosing not to do anything or at least reach out and ask what to do or use fucking Google to look up what to do, because it's not like there's any lack of information. Um, if you are still doing nothing, I think that says a lot about who you are. And I think it says a lot about how you are choosing the side of the oppressor. I think that it's I'm I'm very concerned that dismissing and not acknowledging all the different ligaments that white supremacy has, especially in the 200 plus years that this country has had of subscribing to it, uh, is us ignoring a problem uh, and, and dismissing a problem just because it's been a problem since for our entire lives, since this country has been put together. Um, I think that acknowledging it as the status quo is important, but constantly critiquing it and identifying all the different realms that it has somehow seeped into is integral in removing it from the status quo itself. So I I hear your point about not trying to label everything as white supremacy, but especially as a black person, as a mixed person, it's difficult not to do that 
when I know that it has been so relevant to every single facet of my life. You know, there's a time period where you and I wouldn't even have been sitting in these seats because of white supremacy. There was a time period where our parents couldn't even have been married because of white supremacy. We wouldn't have even existed if people hadn't challenged the fact that white supremacy was the status quo. So I don't think it's that ridiculous to continue that conversation further when it comes to opportunities, the well-being of people from any identity uh, that isn't white. I don't think that's a ridiculous ask to look at and be constantly vigilant of, of critiquing the different ways that white supremacy has impacted people's lives in a negative way. That's a great breakdown. See, that's what we needed. <laughs> what we're here for. So the only... When I think of Chaz and Chop, because I've been working with Marshall, the Marshall Law Band for a while now, yeah, yeah, um, they're like some of the first artists that I saw that took a stand during Chaz and Chop. Did you, were you before them? Were you there before they started, or did you see what they were doing and you joined ahead, or how did that come to be that you guys ended up in Chaz and Chop as well? Uh, um, how we came to be in Chaz and Chop was, uh, you know, we'd been in contact with a couple of different organizers and, and, and other protesters that were on the ground there. And of course, Marshall was, you know, doing his thing and doing his thing with the Marshall Law Band. And that was great. Um, you know, we reached out to them and talking through, you know, actually how it originally happened is they reached out to us because they needed a break uh, getting on one of their stages uh, or on their stage over in there. And they needed a break to give their guys kind of a breather. So Marshall reached out to me and was like, hey, like, you know, can y'all come in and, 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 and play, you know, we've been doing this thing and I've been talking to him about it. Uh, and when we got there, you know, as we were setting up, you know, there was SPD literally on the, on the, uh, maybe like 10 feet away from the stage was setting up an LRAD and, uh, it was a really, uh, uh, sorry. An LRAD is a, is a, is a sound weapon, um, designed to, uh, emit frequencies and, and really loud, uh, amplitudes, uh, that can be really uh, damaging for your brain and everything like that. Like it, a people whistle versus a dog whistle? That, but imagine it through a giant guitar megaphone. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Um, they were setting up an LRAD while we had just gotten there to set up on the stage and everything like that. Uh, and the timing was 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 really poor, so we ended up having to, uh, to pull out, um, you know, because we had all of our gear and everything like that and, and, and everything. It was... Um, unfortunately, just the wrong timing, so we weren't able to uh, fill in for Marshall on that day. Um, but after that, it was you know still being on the ground over there and 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 being a part of things, um, but a little bit more anonymously, which is a, a, a lot safer, I will say, especially in the light of you know the the retroactive arrest that Seattle Police Department has been doing. Um, but after that, it was it was recognizing that problem I was mentioning earlier about like people are missing the point of this on the national scale and the local scale too, um, and having that conversation, especially with a lot of other um, speakers and educators and performers that were all on the same page about like yeah, that's something I've been noticing too is like people are are not treating this with the urgency or the acknowledgement of of the fact that this was a war zone days ago. Um, uh, so it was really urgency and like refocusing people, especially because in the moments that we did have chop, that was a moment. I remember the first day I, I walked over there was when I stepped foot in there for the first time. It was the first time in my life where I've ever been somewhere and not felt the constant anxiety of like, am I going to get pulled over? Am I going to get shot of, of constantly looking over my shoulder when I'm walking on the street of something like that? The things that you experience being a black person with, you know, a riled up police department, you know, that anxiety of of not knowing when or if you might be swallowed by the police or prison industrial complex is, is tiring. But the first time I was in CHOP was the first time I didn't feel that. And it's and it and it's so interesting because I've been on this planet not that long, relatively. I'm twenty one years old. But in my entire life of twenty one years of life, that was the first time I had felt this layer shedded that I didn't even know I could. I didn't even know was shed. Um, and it was really that feeling in, in combination with identifying the urgency of, of refocusing people that uh, triggered us into, into staging that protest. And, you know, since, since then, we've, 
definitely had to make sure that we're being very safe with, uh, you know, the spread of information, especially with the other speakers and performers and, and all of that, because it, 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 it is still something that is ongoing. Um, but also recognizing that, you know, this is, if this is what it takes for us to get to where we need to go, if this is one step, um, using our platform is, is something that, you know, is important to us in, in doing the right thing for, um, whether that's on social media, whether that's speaking engagements like this, um, or speaking at protests or staging protests, you know, it's, it's all steps to a goal. So Chaz and Chav, like we said, was a few months ago. So what have you been doing now? Like to yeah. learn more about what's going on? inner self as well yeah so uh a, a lot of the stuff that i've been doing is i've been doing a lot of uh i've been doing a lot of, of pushing people to other educators especially people like jay um reminding people to you know pay their educators and everything like that i've been doing a lot of speaking and uh a lot of speeches at protests uh or you know just using king youngblood's platform itself to to put out my thoughts and things like that and engage with people um, you know, the podcast especially. Uh, and then also on the personal side and the non-personal side, I should say, um, we've been doing a lot of music kind of centered around like what we've been experiencing and, 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 and trying to educate people in that aspect as well. Because um, music is a very useful tool in getting people to, to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, it's been a lot of having difficult conversations with friends and family members as well. Um, in and highlighting really what we've been going through since the get-go and things that, you know, I've experienced and, and, and they've been able to experience as well. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it is all work that has to be done uh, on all angles of the spectrum, regardless if you're black or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as just, you know, the mental side of things, I'm, I'm waiting for my therapist's office to reopen <laughs> back up after COVID um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making sure to, to tap in and, and, and check in with my community and, you know, been doing a lot of art centered around it and not centered around it. Um, and that's been really helpful and it's especially stuff that I'm really proud to be able to share with people. You know, once we're, once we're getting it out, we just put out a new single and video that, uh, is really centered around everything that's been going on called Yakubian Antics. Oh yeah. Um, um yeah, Yacoub- go ahead. Can you break down who Yakub is? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, Yakubian y- is. Uh, have you ever seen the show Jesus and Mero? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I I know about. So. Okay. Great. <laughs> tight. Awesome. So uh, I fucking love them. Uh, I I I would I binge watch every single episode they ever had, especially on, like when they were back on Viceland before they were on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yakubian is basically another term for like identity. It's I put it out very uh, distinctly and I defined it to make sure I, I would be uh, identifying exactly what I'm talking about on the nose, not letting people get twisted about it. Yakubian antics is defined, it's a noun, but it's defined as the outlandish behaviors, actions, or consequences of white supremacy that have to be acknowledged, deconstructed, and abolished. So it's 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 basically recognizing like, so like a great example is it's very small on scale um, in comparison to the other forms of white supremacy that we've seen. It's like, you know, fucking literally like shooting again and again and again black folks uh, from the police. But a smaller form of that is, you know, like people touching your hair. It's it's this very subtle but very small kind of form of othering um, where you are uh, looking at somebody and seeing them as like, you know, a texture or something that is this exotic thing that you get to experience, like it's a fucking petting zoo. Um, that's a Yakubian antic. Uh, fucking, uh, let's see, uh, if you're white and saying the N-word, that's a Yakubian antic. If you're, uh, if you're a cop and you shoot a black person, um, especially an unarmed black person, but regardless, uh, that's a Yakubian antic. If you are the president of the United States and you are emboldening white supremacists, that's a Yakubian antic. It has a very broad spectrum, but the song that we wrote, Yakubian Antics, and the video a lot as well, is centered around trying to identify, like I was mentioning before, all those different ligaments that are either very subtle or very explicit of showing how white supremacy is seeped into the everyday life in America. Um, that's really what that song is about, about 
again, identifying it and, and, and not allowing it to continue just being what we go through every day. And might I say, your music videos are insane. Thank you, man. All of them, like the King Youngblood one, and you're a king. I'm guessing you're a king there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a cr- that was all your music videos are crazy. Thank you, man. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's super cool because you know all of that stuff. Fucking the last video we did before you, Kubi, and we just shot all on our iPhones. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, all the videos that we've been able to do have been entirely in house, and that's been. It's been a, a big honor and a lot of fun to be able to do, but especially in doing something that's so much more, excuse me, so much more politically charged, uh, like Yucubian Antics, you know, that's a that's another huge form of, of us using our platform for activism and, and, and using it in what we believe in. If you, sorry, I'm going to do a shameless plug real fucking quick. <laughs> uh, if you're curious about it, you can find it on our YouTube page, uh, King Youngblood Music, uh, or you can listen to the single itself on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find stuff. Oh yeah. So, how long have you guys been part of the music scene, by the way, as King Youngblood? Um, well, you were Gypsy Temple before. Yeah, we that? were. We were for for uh, for. Jeez, I guess I want to say like the first half of our careers. Um, but you know, the band is my baby, and uh, you know, I started it back when. Jesus, I must have been like twelve. Wow. Um, and. Uh, you know, now that it's evolved and, and definitely we've we've had so much more time together and in, in being able to create and identify what the what the things are that we want to and the things that we need to create, uh, as well as making sure that we're spicing and having some fucking fun in there too. Um, you know, Jesus man, it's I wish I was good at math, but I'll I'll let somebody who is better at math do the math for me. Uh the band started when I was twelve and I'm twenty one. So bing bang bop. Eleven years? Yeah. Twelve? No, no, no. See, just, fuck, man. We just outed <laughs> both of ourselves. Shit. <laughs> Thank you. That's uh, nine, nine years. Nine years. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, nine. But nine years is a lot of time. Jesus Christ. I am. I. I am. I Let's need... just blame it on the morning. But it's twelve, so I guess it's not. Ah, uh, see, you had you had an out, and you threw uh. it away, bro. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, nine years is a long time of you know doing a lot of learning and doing a lot of self accountability and. Um, you know, and you're currently in college too, aren't you? Yeah. I'm in my last year at UW. Wow. I'm studying uh, communications over there and, um, it's been something really useful, especially yeah, shout out. It's been something really useful in, in, in my career, but especially in like learning how to be a better community member, especially, um, you know, cause so much of communications, at least of what I've learned is learning how to listen rather than how to actually outward express things. Um, but yeah, man, nine years, you learn a lot in that time period. Yeah. Do people in your um school or any clubs support your protesting and your music? Are they when they see you out there protesting, do they want to join or Yeah, I mean, you know, for for me, when COVID hit, it kind of disabled a lot of uh whatever community could happen through UW as an institution, you know, because you know, whatever of being able to like go see somebody or go put up posters or or be in message boards about things like that, you know, that that communication avenue really was like stripped away um but you know a lot of the black and brown homies that i have are in support of what we do a lot of the white homies that we have that i have are in support of what we do and are providing resources to support as well uh and that's not even through a UW thing that's through a recognizing the urgency of the problems we're talking about thing um you know because regardless if it's something that we're doing it's, it's something that they are working in and, and trying to be a part of uh, for anything fighting for the liberation of black and brown people. And, you know, when it gets to be their homies that are doing that too, it makes it a little easier to, to understand the proximity of it uh, as well as, you know, like come slide through and give us a hand. Yeah. Let's break down COVID in colleges. Yes. You know, um, I know a lot of friends who are in college mm-hmm. and um, Zoom as, university. You mean? <laughs> as soon as, like some are like out of state, some are in state, but as soon as people um, realize that they're actually going back to college to their dorms, it was almost like they forgot about COVID. So I know tons of friends, yeah, bro, who personally got COVID. Fucking Greek row at UW is just is just festering, bro. It it is so disappointing uh, because it's it's it it don't have to be like this. Like it's already hard enough with the fact that. All your classes are online. It's already hard enough with the fact that it's like you can't really hang out or talk to other like peers to get a better idea of what's going on really like that. 
it's hard enough that you know all of this it, all of this already has so many different obstacles that this pandemic has has created um but on top of that you also have people not taking it seriously for the sake of trying to hold on to the memory of what it was like before it was a pandemic. Yeah. But that isn't the world we live in right now. And the sooner that people not only make that realization, but fucking fix their behavior about it, the sooner we can get back to the very thing they're trying to get back to. Um, it's sorry for me. I'm, I'm very frustrated in like how one, how this whole thing is like shaken out as far as, you know, stopping people from being able to work, but not pausing like, people having to pay rent that doesn't make a lot of sense to me in, in the same spec but that's a totally different conversation this is about college <laughs> um if 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 you can do zoom university do it and be safe uh if you can't and you have to be on campus uh for you know a resources related issue do it wear your fucking mask get tested um and and don't don't throw a fucking party it should be that should be the most basic common sense. Don't throw a rager in the middle of a pandemic, because because you've ugh, sorry, bro. I'm so tight about this, man. Especially <laughs> after hearing about all the shit on Greek Row about like, I don't know if you ever saw this, but like, uh, on UW, there's a Facebook page called Overheard Overheard at UW, which is basically like a giant forum for like any UW students. And it was like one of them was calling out like, you know, this there was this article that came out identifying that like Greek Row is like having a major uptick in COVID cases. And like somebody had reposted it on the overheard page. And like there were a couple of these like frat dudes that wrote in like, hey, like um, partying is a way of life. It's <laughs> what we do. It's a part of our culture, a part of Greek life. Um and this pandemic has already stripped away the rights of so many people. We are not going to stand just like all this fucking shit. Like, bro, I swear to I swear to God, man, if you don't wear your fucking mask and stop throwing ragers, we're going to have to do something, bro. Because you're putting people's lives at risk. And, you know, we can make all the jokes in the world about clowning somebody that's totally on the wrong side of history. But at, at the core of it, it's still this this strange denial of a problem that they are complacent in. Yeah, if like artists are fine, not they're not fine, but if they're able to not do events where they're actually getting paid, mm -hmm. you should be fine not being able to do just partying. Yeah, don't <laughs> buy the fucking keg. If you want to get a six pack for your housemates, fine, because you're in a pod, that's cool. But don't be inviting people over to expose them to your dumbass shit, boy. Mm. Uh. <laughs> so what is some advice for artists who can't perform live right now? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of artists have felt if I if, if I personally had taken a break from my podcast, it would have been seven to eight months down the road. I would have basically probably forgotten all my skills, right? Yeah, exactly. So what is some advice for some artists who maybe are starting to get depressed, they can't perform live or yeah. they don't want to just talk about COVID? You know, that 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 um that uh acknowledgement that your art should exist is 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 really the first step. You know, so much of the music industry unfortunately is resource based. You know, it's if you can get your hands on a guitar, if you can afford uh, those pedals, if you can, you know, lift that big ass amplifier out of the basement, it's if 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 you have uh, resources or access to recording materials, you know, it's it's a lot of different things that are these these uh, these kind of entry fees. But at the core of it, your art is important to you, and remembering and recognizing that not only is your art important but your voice within it is is just as important and something that people need to hear um it's unfortunate that right now we're in a time period where it might be difficult or might be poor timing of when they do hear it um but that doesn't mean that it loses its value you know that doesn't mean your artistry is 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 worth less just because of whatever's happening in the world around us that's outside of our control um so you know if 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 resources are an issue, continue working on your craft. Continue building your discography. Continue exploring and expressing yourself in different ways. Finding what speaks to you the most. You know, take this time to go be in the dojo and and, and lock the door for a second, um, because you're going to be better off once you come out of it. If resources is less of an issue for you, and you're able to to, if you have the gear to be able to do you know the things that you need to do. Uh, reach out to other people in your community that might not have those same resources and, and figure out ways to work with them 
So both of you guys can get your artistry out there in the same token. Um, you know, find different ways to collaborate with people uh, and and share that the, share those resources because when you share the wealth, everybody eats. Yeah. Um, you know, for for me, the the way that I've been spending uh, quarantine, the way that King Youngblood has been spending quarantine, you know, we had a whole tour planned for the summer, and you know, we had to scrap all of that and all the shows related to it and you know the income related to that as well um but we've been exchanging whatever time that we had specifically for uh you know being on the road or being at at venues and playing shows with you know spending that as rehearsal time or writing time or shooting videos or recording um you know making sure that 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 time that we had already sectioned out doesn't go wasted uh, but instead gets exchanged for something else that is is worth of equal value. Um, you know, if I had any advice for people, it would be don't let this pandemic or the consequences of it define your artistry because regardless of when people hear it, um, they should and they need to because your artistry and your voice is important. So keep working and keep acting with that, ideology in mind because when this is all over you are going to be such a fucking powerhouse on that fucking beat yes and on that note what is the easiest way for people to reach you oh yeah uh our uh, instagram is at king youngblood music you can hit us on facebook youtube uh youtube we have a bunch of different videos and stuff coming out too um which is which is tight um as well as the podcast the revolution will be harmonized with my co-host stay safe knox and Jaden grayson uh which is a lot more on a political activism tip. Um, but yeah, support black artists, support brown artists, you know, stream our shit, pay your reparations, educate your folks that 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 need to be helped into being a part of this movement and recognizing the proximity. And um, regardless, man, just keep it pushing because this this'll this too shall pass. Hell yeah. This is the NAS podcast with King Youngwood. There we go. <laughs>